Welcome to Sarah's Shorts, pocket-sized stories for the soul. I'm Sarah, and I'm tall. The only thing short about me are my podcasts. Sarah's Shorts is the podcast version of my blog, All Things Work Together, where I tell life stories with a purpose. Often faith-based, usually humor-laced, always worth a listen. Or that's my goal anyway. Thanks for joining me. In case you missed it too, God's grand invitation is all-inclusive. He wants you to RSVP for the event of a lifetime. It wasn't the remnants left on the trays that so distressed me. It was the full platters covered in plastic unearthed from the refrigerator that did me in. I had forgotten to give the caterer the final headcount, 60 less than the 200 we'd envisioned. So, at the end of the event, my colleagues and I were madly stuffing trays of food into white styrofoam boxes and stuffing them inside the refrigerator. The two kegs, still nearly full, went back to the caterer's walk-in refrigerator. We would have to find a way to empty those, too. The leftovers were a tribute to my inexperience. Six years later, I am mere weeks away from an annual event I hope will draw 250 plus. I am reminded again of the need to convey the grandness of this exclusive invitation so my guests RSVP yes and put their bodies where their yes is. But I know I'm in good company. God too has trouble getting yes RSVPs. And his grand invitation to all people is not to an annual event, but to a lifetime, eternal life with him. As I've read through the scriptures this year, I see God's grand invitation over and over to all who would come. I used to think his invitation was his chosen people, exclusive party for one genealogy kind of invitation. But in the Old Testament, where I once saw the Israelites as his chosen people, I now see he chose them not for exclusivity, but rather to point outsiders to him. God started the nation of Israel with Abraham, who produced the promised heir, Isaac, who fathered Jacob, whom God renamed Israel. It seemed a slow start to nation building. But God promised all three he would make of them a nation of people more numerous than the sky, stars in the sky, as he told Abraham in Genesis 22. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. That promise of descendants more numerous than stars in the sky must have seemed like pie in the sky to Abraham and Isaac. Both struggled with infertility before producing sons, but Jacob was prolific. He had 12 sons whose lineages would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Little more than 1,000 years after that promise to Abraham, counting the number of descendants of Israel's was like trying to number the stars. First Chronicles 27 captures that in a very bad choice by David. (laughs) 
But even with a nation so large, God wanted more. And that was his plan all along, not just genetic descendants of Jacob, all of us. This is what David wrote in Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. David prayed God would be gracious and bless Israel so his saving power would be known all over the planet. He wanted all the peoples to praise him. It's a common refrain throughout the Old Testament, but I had never noticed. Now I can't not notice. I can't unsee the truth. God wants us all. In Exodus 12, 48 to 49, for instance, Moses told the Israelites, strangers who wanted to keep the Passover to the Lord just had to let their males be circumcised to be considered a native. I say just because it does require uncomfortable surgery, a more significant commitment than picking up a loaf of unleavened bread on the way to dinner. In Ezekiel 47, as the Israelites were divvying up the promised land, God instructed them to treat resident aliens who had made themselves at home among them as if they were born there. In Isaiah, God told the prophet, Make sure no outsider who now follows God ever has occasion to say, God put me in second class. I don't really belong. In fact, as Isaiah hoped for the return of the Israelites to their homeland, God said he was thinking too small. This is what he said in Isaiah 49. But that's not a big enough job for my servant, just to recover the tribes of Jacob, merely to round up the strays of Israel, I'm setting you up as a light for the nations so that my salvation becomes global. Over and over, scripture in the Old Testament issues a grand invitation to outsiders, and the Israelites, as did I, likely missed it. The Apostle Paul suggested as much in his letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 3, he says, None of our ancestors understood this. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. Jesus ultimately was the goal of God's promise to Abraham. He was the star among the uncountable number of Israelites in Jacob's lineage. His death on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin, as both a sinless man and God, he could do that. Jesus made the great event of salvation available to everyone, those born in the line of Israel, as well as outsiders such as me and maybe you. That invitation, God's grand invitation to be his chosen one, is inclusive. But it's also exclusive, directed at each of us individually. No mass save the date or repeated evites until you RSVP. God calls you, sharing his invitation through nature 
or inviting you where you are in a way you can receive it. What do we all get if we accept God's grand invitation? We get forgiveness for our sins and Christ's righteousness, 24-7 access to the one true God, a sealed guarantee of this eternal reward and power to live from our internal life coach, the Holy Spirit. All because we say yes. Kind of takes the lavishness out of my invitation to a two-hour event with awards, appetizers, alcohol, networking, and a commemorative take-home glass. A bit uh, weaker, (laughs) doesn't it? Even so, I continue to improve my event each year, hoping to expand my yes guest list. How? In part, by so blessing those who attend that they shine a light, a positive light on the event to others. Just as the Israelites, even in their often lackluster pursuit of God, and perhaps because of it, showcase God's infinite love, mercy, and power. I want to do that too, but with luster, what the dictionary terms a glow of reflected light, God's light. By the way, that disaster of leftover food and alcohol, I still have my job. (laughs) Turns out my boss had been wanting a social event for the entrepreneurs in our building, and our leftovers were just the thing to entice them from their labs into the lobby for one. The impromptu gathering was a success. Despite the beer exploding all over the floor and one of my colleagues when we inexperienced types tapped the keg, it was the start of a monthly event drawing hundreds of entrepreneurs. Because God is so, so gracious. Had you too missed the expansiveness of God's grand invitation in the Old Testament? Had you also thought it was directed only at his chosen people? until Jesus came onto the scene, I'd love to hear your story too. Or have you ever seen God turn one of your failures into a roaring success despite you? Ah, such a good God. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening, please. You can find my written stories on my websites, All Things Work Together, located at sarahdagan.com. That's Sarah without an H. I hope you'll come back for more of Sarah Short's Pocket Size Stories for the Soul.